you start looking at yourself a little bit more deeply and more intentionally when you realize, okay, you know, the money, it will come in its due time, but what is my purpose and what is my vision while I'm trying to reach, you know, this destination or this goal? What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show, we will sit down with black and brown photographers and discuss their experiences in this industry. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, creative director, photographer, and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you dig the culture, keep your headphones locked in and the volume crate. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. Lindsay Weatherspoon, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. How are you doing, sis? I'm good. How about you? Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course, man. I've been, uh, you know, wanting to have a conversation with you for a long time since we've actually never spoke before. <laughs> right. And we've never seen each other. I know. So, in person. In person. In person. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So I'm I'm doing well. I'm up here in New York. I know you're down there in Atlanta. How's yeah. The, how's the weather out there? Um, I'm pretty sure it's not as cold as it is up there, but, um, for me, I'm cold, but I'm good though. You know, it is <laughs> like, what it is. <laughs> like, nice, nice, nice. Now I know you just got back from, you were on the West coast. You were doing like a half marathon. Yeah, I did the surf city, um, half marathon in Huntington beach, which is basically long beach, um, California. So that was my first half marathon since 2018. Cut. Oh, since 2018. Since 2018. Yeah, that this is my fourth half marathon and I have my fifth one um, in October. I may try to fit in another one. Who knows? Oh, wow. That's crazy. So yeah. have, have you done a full marathon yet? No, that is on um, the list of things to do. It's, you know, with anything, it, it's a mind thing. And I just haven't wrapped my mind around running 26 miles. In one, well, I'm sorry, 26.2 mm-hmm. miles in that one day. That counts. That, oh, it does. It does. Because you that last point two, you just like, I, I got to get it in. Absolutely. Uh, um, right. But no, I haven't done a, a marathon yet, but I am doing um, a triathlon this year. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, I, I get bored. And so I was like, well, why not just, you know, keep my body in shape and at the same time, you know, do something that I've never done before. So I'm in the process of, well, I've been in the process of learning how to swim. So that has been a, a process of its own, which is, um, it's definitely helped me um, personally and professionally, yep. but I'm sure we'll get into it once we, you know, get into the podcast. Well, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a former athlete, you know, um, I ran oh, track really? in high school, I ran track in college and I've just always been fitness minded. And the funny thing about, you know, being fitness minded is that, you know, you could kind of take that, uh, that mental toughness that you build, that character mm-hmm. that you build, and then you mm-hmm. can apply it to like your professional life. You can apply it to things that's outside of athletics. And, you right, know, right, right, right. we're here talking about photography, you know, like this is a mental game trying to like always stay on top of like the technology and staying on top of, uh, you know, pitching the editors and just, Mm -hmm. you know, being like really mentally tough in this industry. Mm -hmm. That's not always kind to people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Most certainly. And, you know, just, just from a half marathon perspective, you know, you have a lot of time (laughs) to think while you're out there running 13.1 miles. And so, you know, even during that time, you, you, you're thinking about, every single thing that has happened in your life if you if you're somebody like me you're just constantly thinking because you have time 
So, you know, just to just to have that that clarity around what you're doing and the goal, it you can put that right into what you were doing professionally. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, Lindsay, tell me uh, where you where you coming from? Where you, where you from? I know you're in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. is that is that has that always been home base for you? No. So I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm not too far from home. I'm only two hours away. But um, what made me move here is to what well, was to um, get out of that comfort zone mm. and also um, coming to a, a larger city that has more creatives, more competition um, was going to be helpful for me. Um, you know, you can just be at home for so long and, and, and feel like you are stagnant in what you do. And then I also realized that at times I didn't see anyone that looked like me doing what I was trying to do and what I not only trying, but what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm an editorial portrait and commercial photographer, but most of those folks, you know, they were white men. So, yep. you know, it was at times it was it was hard to kind of like get in, in the door. But thankfully, there was one magazine, one one publication who who saw something in me and decided to give me a chance. And I'll always and forever be grateful for them. But I moved what, to what was that. What was that uh, publication? Uh, if can you, you share? Me, I, I can. I'm trying to think of it. I see it. If you hadn't asked, I'll I'll, I'll give you the name of it towards the no end. No problem. No problem. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, they they did give me a chance. I'm grateful for them. Uh, but I knew that. Um, starting there was like a means to an end. And during that time, I was also a a family portrait photographer and wedding photographer. That was also a means to an end. I knew I didn't want to make a full-on career out of that, but it was something that allowed me to, you know, meet new people, um, allowed me to shoot more consistently, and allowed me to make a little money at the same time. Yeah. Because my original career um, path was to be um, a news anchor. So I went to school for journalism and I did work at a television station for a little while. And I also taught public speaking at several colleges. So I've had like a little, everything was a means to an end to what I do now. That's that's great. You know, what's really interesting about photography is sometimes when you have an outside interest Mm -hmm. and you have an interest in photography, it just informs your voice and informs your vision in a way that you know, it doesn't do for everybody else. You know, it, it that helps you to have your, like your own, you know, unique voice and perspective on how you see the world. Right, right, right. And then also coming from, you know, Birmingham, one of the homes of civil rights, it really just, it gives you a different insight on pretty much everything. Um, it's not that, it's not that you're thinking the worst of some cases, but you just, you know, you ju- you're just more aware of yourself um, and your race and your ethnicity and your gender and all type of isms that are connected to you. So I, I will say some of those things that I learned and just, you know, just being from Birmingham, Alabama, um, kind of informs the work that I shoot today. So when you first started getting into photography, you know, were you interested in just making really nice images or were you still <laughs> focused on you know, like with all of the civil rights roots in Birmingham, was that part of your, you know, the way that you saw the world and how you were not photographed it? Um, I was, let's be real. I was trying to make some money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and, and that at the time that informed what exactly what I was. But 
you start looking at yourself a little bit more deeply and more intentionally when you realize, okay, you know, the money, it will come in its due time. But what is my purpose and what is my vision while I'm trying to reach, you know, this destination or this goal? So as I um, started meeting other photographers, um, some established, some emerging, just like I was, you know, it was it was pretty clear that my next feat was to put a face, a a female and a black a, a black female face to photography in my hometown. Um, I don't know. It, it was it. it I didn't want to just be in this 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 genre of just being a wedding photographer or, or portrait photographer. And there's nothing wrong with either one, but I knew that there was there was something missing. There was a voice missing in certain publications. And I wanted to at least try to be that voice back at home or maybe elsewhere. So like I said, that was like one of the things that one of the goals that I had for Birmingham, but I moved to Atlanta just for that challenge. So I, I just have to say that I'm grateful for the opportunities that were given to me in, in, um, at home. And I'm also grateful for the folks that may not have felt like they could have helped me. I, I had to find my way on my own. You know, I had some help along the way, but back at home, I think it just kind of grounded me in trying to make this goal possible. Am I making sense? Oh, absolutely. It's It's yeah. one of those things where... You know, you want the support. The support always feels good, and it, it sort of makes you feel like you're on the right path. Yeah. But then sometimes the non-support forces you to go back within and say, you know mm-hmm. what? Well, I didn't get, I didn't get uh, that job. I didn't get that assignment. This person yeah. shut the door on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm a failure as a photographer. It just means that my photo, my 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 images are not for them. You Indeed. know, and I have to like really go back inside and, and and remember what that voice is that vision is that that lets me pick up the camera every single day yeah 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 and it made me want to do it more absolutely um, you, you, you know, need just, those nose sometimes yeah you yeah need those yeah. nose yeah and those no those nose definitely i would say it hardened me and then softened me at the same time because if i can take a no then when a yes comes I'm like oh okay <laughs> then I, I guess this is where i'm supposed to be you know and then just thinking about um my legacy like what what am i going to leave after all of this is said after all of this is said and done and i'm i i'm 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 so glad that we're in this movement you know of black girl magic and black boy joy where our kids and their kids will see us and be better than us because you know we're still first generation a lot of things yeah and so to have the opportunity to just even be part of this particular movement I think that says a lot. You know, you and me both. Absolutely, absolutely, yo. And it, it feels good. And um, when I first started getting into photography, you know, I only saw Gordon Parks, right? Right. And and I was like, I, it has to be others out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. in, I'm sitting in these classrooms, and you know, for like a year, and the instructor never showed any, not didn't even show Gordon Parks, you know, hmm. showing all their personal favorites and it wasn't like one person of color. And I'm just like, you know what, that's going to be my motivation to, yeah. to be one of those faces of color that like these yeah. young kids growing up can like look at and, and find and discover and be like, oh, he did it. I, you know, I can do it as well. Yeah, mo- most certainly. And then, you know, just to piggyback off of that, the only 
aside from Gordon Parks, I knew about Carrie Mae Weems, mm-hmm. you know, Deborah Willis. And then when I started looking for more black women, I came across the book Viewfinders. And I think that's like the the book that really tapped into my interest of finding more black female photographers. And the one that I knew personally was my mom. My mom, mom was, was a, a photographer, photographer too. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's dope. So, yeah, so it was it was it it's odd. I, I wouldn't say odd, but I would say it's I think that was I I feel like that was my purpose. Like she she laid the foundation to put it in my mind to say, hey, if she can do it, then maybe I can do it, but I need to know somebody else that's doing it too, you know? So it it's it it was fun growing up in a house with a photographer. You know, I'm I'm the primary subject, so there's a lot of pictures of me. But um other than that, you know, there were there are pictures in um my home, um, uh, my mom's house back in Birmingham, um, of photos that she's taken. I've actually have some of them in my house now too. Um so yeah, it was just a great benefit to have somebody that that was shooting, um, you know, black and white and shooting um, portraits and architecture and still life and things of that nature. So she definitely laid the foundation for Yo, that's what so, I'm doing now. That's so dope. So wait, yeah, have, have y'all have y'all um taken portraits of each other? Um, we did. Um, you know, my mom passed in 2016. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean, I, I. I I'm grateful for the time that we had um, mm-hmm. because for sure, when, when we talked about photography, you know, it was like a, this light bulb that went off in both of us. But um, we actually had the same um, photography teacher. She had um, she had this teacher in college and I also had this teacher in college. Two oh, different wow. schools, but the same teacher. Wow, that's so, yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, you know, as, as I got more interested, she got more interested in two um, but, you know, a mom was going to be a mom uh, because she was like, uh, after I told her, I just I didn't want to find a full time job. I wanted to do photography full time and just kind of, you know, teach and then do my photography thing. You know, she's going to be worried because she she grew up in a different time as me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- the I think the, the opportunities now are um, limitless versus um, when my mom was trying to, you know, be a, a full time creative. It just wasn't there. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the so like I said, just being afforded the opportunity to do this full time because it's it's not easy, but it's easier than it would have been maybe twenty, thirty, forty years ago. Absolutely. So, and, and and now we're actually in an age where we're removing the middle person. Yes. There were so many middle people before that mm-hmm. would like be barriers or gatekeepers between mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and like an editor, us and a, a publication. And now it's like, yo, you have social media, you have internet. You have strong Wi-Fi. You can get your stuff out there. <laughs> exactly. You know? And you can take pictures at any time, post them at any time, and probably get a job in the next couple of days. Absolutely. So it's it's just that easy, for sure. You mentioned you wanted you moved to Atlanta because it was a bigger city. It was a bigger challenge. Like, Atlanta is buzzing right now. It's it like is. the black Hollywood, you know? And yes. It's, and there's so much creativity happening. Not only creativity, but also, like, the tech side of things and... The Silicon Valley is popping up over there. Like, mm-hmm. how's it been in Atlanta for you uh, with photography? Uh, things have been going well. Um, I just to give you some backstory. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to a portfolio review up in New York, and I was talking to some talking to some photographers um, out from. I think they were out of California. I, I do know it was West Coast. Some of them from California, maybe from other states. 
and they were talking about how hard it was to find work. You know, people aren't paying as much as they think they deserve, this and that. And the question came to me, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm actually working often. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't know if it's more so because of ethnicity or maybe opportunity but um or geography do geography too i i don't know but i just know that i'm happy and grateful <laughs> that i'm working and i i work pretty often it may not be every week but every two weeks i'm i'm either here or birmingham or um parts of south carolina i've been traveling to tennessee there's been times i've been to mississippi so you so, cover in the south southeast yeah, pretty I'm, much yeah i'm pretty much pretty much the southeast um as i don't I typically don't go any further than that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not um, open to it. It's just that I I cover the areas that I know pretty well. And that's good. I mean, I know editors kind of think of which photographers are based in which region Mm -hmm. and have like the access, whether you have a car or, you know, you go back and forth from one city to the next a lot, you know, so they'll consider you like the Southeastern photographer for portraits or something, you know? Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I've branded myself as a photographer in Atlanta and Birmingham yeah. because they're not far from each other. So whenever the opportunity comes, you know, to go home and there's a story there, mm-hmm. then, you know, I'm definitely going to gonna try to take it. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that, um, you know, work has been going well for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I think about the state of black photography and, mm-hmm. and it's not f- as fruitful for everybody, right? Yeah, so how do you how do you navigate those conversations where, you know, you're in a circle of black photographers and things mm-hmm. are going well for you, but they're mm-hmm. not going as well for the people in that circle? Like, how do you do you like do you dim your light and not talk about how well businesses, or do you share how well businesses and 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 some of the strategies or tips that may help things go better for them as well? Yeah, that is that is a a good question. Um, most times I am giving tips and most times I do share who I work with, how often I'm working, um, more so out of showing that there's a possibility that you could do the same. Like mm-hmm. you, you can do the same as me. I also have to realize, and we have to realize that everybody is not going to want to do what I'm doing. So I think that is kind of like the the part that makes it hard for most people because, you know, you have your folks that are just strictly creatives that want to, you know, do their thing. Then you have those that want to be creative and make money. And then you have those that are in specific genres that they just want to stick within. Um, so I can give you advice across the board, but when it comes to working often, you know, you just have to think about what thing what type of jobs will pay now for me i'll i'll pretty much take anything within reason if it's not going to take a lot of time and if it's you know something that could boost my portfolio then i'll consider it um but i'm not just going to take any and everything i know i said i'll take anything but it has to have a purpose behind why i'm taking it absolutely um, either the, the money has to be right or yeah. it could be something for the portfolio mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there are times where i may you know some people are probably going to frown upon this but there are times that i've actually volunteered but it has also been again very a strategic volunteer reason for example um 
I shoot TEDx um, Atlanta every year. That is already strictly um, a voluntary uh, position. You, no one is getting paid to do anything. But the people that I meet there and those that I actually have, you know, front facing time with, that has allowed me to get paid jobs down the road. So that's why I'm saying that you just have to be strategic where you give your time and your energy because everything is not worth it. And that, you know, that that's the truth. So that's how I play the game here. And that's how I've been able to, you know, survive in my, um, in my career. Um, I still take, you know, cons- I guess you consider them consumer type events or like trade shows and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking about how am I going to hit my bottom line? And to be honest, Idris, I am much more business minded than I am anything else. And once we as photographers realize that's like 90% of what we do, then I think that we'll all be, you know, aligned in our goals. Because we all got to eat. Some of us got families. Some of us got kids. Mm-hmm. Some of us have mortgages. Some of us have all of these all of those things. things. <laughs> all of those things. Right. Right. You know, I, I'm in a different position because I'm single. But at the same time, I still got to put gas in my car. I got to pay rent, this and that. You still want to so, You still want to fly to the West Coast and run your half marathons. You know, you got things you want to do. Exactly. Like, I want to use my free time to do nothing, you know, just mm-hmm. go run 13 miles mindlessly. But, you know, there's that. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, when we start thinking strategically in that manner, we'll all be able to make it. So that that's pretty much what I, I, I preach to anybody that comes to me for advice. You can, and you saw this on my Facebook page, you can talk about lighting all day, you can talk about this all day, you can talk about that all day. But if you are not paying attention to your business, mm-hmm. it's 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 just going to be an expensive hobby. Yeah, and it, the price is only going up for this for this gear. Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm trying to. My goal is to like not buy anything photography related for the year. So oh, I mean, we just I feel started like I, too, man. We're in February, so uh, right. I'm, I I started last month. I'm like, I look, you know, I did an inventory over everything that I already have. I'm like, I don't need anything now. If it's like something small, sure, but anything major right now, I don't need another camera. I don't mm-hmm. need any memory cards. I don't need anything major. So I'm I'm trying my best to save my money. I'm trying to be a better steward of my money because um yeah, it stuff ain't getting cheap cheaper. It's only getting more expensive. Yeah, it's it's one of those things also where if you have a bunch of gear and you're not using it all, mm-hmm. then either sell it, donate it to a, a up and coming photographer who, who will who will beat the shit out of it, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right, and, and, and make your bag lighter. Yeah, you know? yeah, so. and I've I've given some things away. I mean, I have. In one of my, um, in my office, there's a closet and I pretty much have everything that a studio would require because I, in Birmingham, I had a loft. So it was pretty much my studio, but coming here, I don't do a lot of studio work anymore. So, I mean, I could technically sell all of that stuff, but you know how we think like, man, maybe I'll need it one day. So I'm gonna keep it. So it's just in my closet for right now until further notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to um, something you just mentioned about volunteering, and mm-hmm. you know I'm such a huge proponent of of volunteering, and and mm-hmm. not just um, in photography, but 
in anything that I'm interested in because I feel like one of the easiest ways to get connected with people doing major things in whatever your interest is mm-hmm. is to volunteer because then you'll be sitting next to somebody who's like you'll be sitting next to a photographer who you know, shoots portraits of like celebrities or who's yeah. won Pulitzers or whatever, because well, you, certainly. you, by deciding to volunteer, that just gave you an entry point to where all of these people are doing things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. volunteering has opened up so many doors for me uh, in my career in so many different avenues, man. If I, I mean, I could do a whole episode just on, you know, charting how one volunteer experience led to another, led to another opportunity and led to, all these, you know, crazy things happening and you have to put in the work, you have to pay your dues, you know, especially when you're up and coming and you don't have the work, you don't have the experience, you don't have the network or the contacts. Volunteering helps you to one, humble yourself and say, I'm not better than, you know, I'm not too good to file these papers or to staple these things together, you know, or or Mm -hmm. clean up garbage. I'm not too Mm -hmm. good for that. If it means that that's going to give me some time to sit and speak one-on-one with somebody who I admire. Right, right. And that that humility goes a long way, because if you are humble enough to help somebody else, just think when it's your turn and you got to somebody wants to like be just like you or be better than you. Um, I, 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 I try my best to be humble around everything that I receive, because I can remember the day I didn't have it and it could be taken away from me just like that. So to, again, that, that humility is going to be the basis of everything that you do. Because people remember your attitude before they remember your work. Like, your work could be amazing, but mm-hmm. if your attitude is shitty, yep. I don't, nobody wants to hang around that. that that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Whether you're assisting or you're the main photographer. So, you know, being I, I, that another thing that I always preach, aside from business, is being kind. Because mm-hmm. just like you said, you never know who you're talking to. And you never know what one opportunity could lead to later down the road, whether it's going to be sooner or later. So that, that humility, kindness, and just, just being a, a nice person <laughs> goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, mm-hmm. man. Especially when you're not there yet. Right. You know, you can't right. be, you can't be like a, a asshole and an amateur. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And even, and even when you get there, still be kind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, when did you, like, after, you know, volunteering and, and, and doing these things to sort of like make a name for yourself, uh, when did you know that you were ready? When did you know you were bigger, you, you know, your, your vision was sort of bigger than Birmingham? Mm, That is a good question. Um, I think I always felt like I had so much to give but I had a very limited view of its possibilities. So um, I love home, but you can get really comfortable there um, with your family, with your friends, and just become a local celebrity. And that wasn't a goal of mine. My goal was to, and it still is, to you know, just enrich the minds of folks that see the photos that I, I take. I mean, it's very rare that some of us are gonna read who actually took the photo, 
I don't even know if people actually do that. Maybe it's just editors. Maybe it's people who are just interested in photography. But if there's somebody that I can reach that I did not know, um, I think I've done my job. And sometimes that actually happens. Like there are people who email me who've seen my photos and ask me questions about the story or my motivation behind what I actually shot. So um, I think being in a place where most people will probably never see and me getting, and me having the opportunity to create the images around this story and be, I gotta put this, not be so narrow-minded about what the subject is, but give you know everybody a fair voice is the the ultimate goal that I I have for what I do. How was Atlanta when you got there? So was it ready? Did, for, was Atlanta ready for you? <laughs> no, Atlanta was never ready for me. But for real, I wasn't ready for Atlanta. So, <laughs> so you know, there were just there were when I first moved here, I started looking for um, teaching jobs. That, like I said, I, I was an adjunct professor um, at the University of Montevallo back in Alabama, and when I moved here. Um, I started teaching public speaking at Kennesaw State. So I was there for three years before I went full-time here in Atlanta. So I had to get acclimated to the environment here. Um, And, you know, just like I was telling you about volunteering, I stumbled upon um, this group called um, Goody Nation, and they were hosting these hackathons. Um, and these were, you know, mostly um, people of color, color and um, black folks who were had who have a tech background. So they were hosting these hackathons, you know, for different um, nonprofit organizations around Atlanta. So when I saw that, I was like, well, they were looking for volunteers for photographers and videographers. So I decided to go volunteer my time, but at the same time, you know, using it to network with folks. That strategy strategy exactly absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so i met you know quite a few folks and i still actually uh, volunteer my time with them I, I take pictures and video for the same uh, profit organization and but during that time like i said i met some people here and there and then i was using some um freelance sites to start getting jobs so you know i wasn't doing as much work i was still shooting weddings here and there just to you know um pay the bills but other than that, you know, it was it was more about networking in the places where I actually wanted to work. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, I started uh, working for companies like Coca-Cola. And then later on, it was New York Times. And later mm-hmm. on, it was NPR and folks like that. I, I want I do want to I feel like after stepping away from my teaching job um, and taking photography much more seriously that's when all of the opportunities started to come because that's when i felt like i was ready like i had finally you know put my time in here in atlanta got hazed enough to where i wasn't getting any work and now you know now that i know how um what the system looks like here and what the process looks like here then that's what was helpful and you mentioned how we have so many tech companies here i work for i work some of the the the, um tech companies, their conferences. Um, I did headshots. I did whatever I could do just to get my name out there. And it's proven to be, you know, to be helpful. So that I, that's how I found my success in Atlanta. Because it is hard. It's, it's um, 
it's a it's a city with a with a lot of black folks, a lot of photographers, but I don't think that there are a lot of photographers who again are doing editorial, commercial and portrait work. I know when people think Atlanta, they think entertainment. And we have a good amount of folks that do that that um that style of photography. And I love their work, but I knew that that was something that I didn't want to do. So I had to figure out my own lane versus someone putting me in one here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, if you stay focused on what you want to do here, you'll get it. You'll get it in due time. So have you found your community of uh, photographers who look like you in Atlanta? Yeah, it's 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 a good group. Um, it's still kind of hit or miss. Again, just if I'm thinking specifically in my genre is not many and those who are in it i know them and we know each other well but i i I do see like the next wave of editorial photographers coming up and it's it's so satisfying to see that because again you don't want to keep seeing the same faces and you also don't want to keep seeing the same white male faces either so to you know, start seeing like the the bylines with different names and looking them up and seeing that it's a person of color, it it's it's gratifying because it shows that there's there's diversity here in Atlanta and we we need more of that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, we gotta. I didn't start paying attention to the bylines until I started getting assignments. Yeah, and, same. You know, and let me let me know if you've ever felt this where you would see a byline and like for some for some reason I feel like. There are certain publications that only select a handful of photographers of color and as like the chosen for that time period, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it feels like they just hit their quota and they don't <laughs> go for, for any more. They don't open the door for any more. So I see the bylines and I'm, I'm excited, but then there's also that part of me that's like, well, why wasn't that me? Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever have those feelings? Yeah, sometimes I do. And then other times I'm like, maybe that story just wasn't for me. Um, And I'm recognizing that I, nor you, nor anyone else that is within the photography um, community may be able to give justice to certain stories. So I just look at, sometimes I just look at that, that wasn't my story to shoot now. The thing that does kind of like make me upset is when there is a story that is definitely a black or people of color type story where a white photographer actually shoots it. Yes. Like that, like not having the context or the history or the mindset or the ideas of respect, the respect, exactly the respect of what that story would mean. So you know, should they turn down the story? I don't know. It's up to them. But I I feel, I definitely feel some type of way when I see stories like that, for sure. Yeah, I feel you. And I think I had, so I had, I've had to um, wrestle with this, um, the dilemma of like, you know, choosing to celebrate, you know, when I see a black photographer's name in the byline or, or mm-hmm. and questioning my worth as a photographer and and questioning why I didn't get an assignment. And sometimes I realize that, you know, that, that whatever jealousy or envy, whatever that, whatever that like seed is, Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, part of it is me. Part of it is the social socialization of not having, not always having all the opportunities presented for yeah. us. So it's like yeah. that whole crab in a barrel mentality. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I recognize it. I recognize it. I'm not proud of it when it happens, which is why I've decided to celebrate more. You know, when I see our bylines, I see like a, a black person, a brown person's name under that photo on, you know, mm-hmm. I start feeling like it's a win for all of us, you know. And, yeah. And, and just really questioning and getting to the root of why some of those feelings may pop up for me, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not that I, I, I don't like the person's work, or I don't respect mm-hmm. their work, but it's just... It's just it's not it's an uncomfortable feeling that I feel like if you have it you have to explore it and, and get to the root of it you know yeah and I I applaud you for recognizing that you know and and admitting it because it's it is rooted in us to be like well well damn I could have had that story right at the same time like wait well, I've never seen a black person on the cover of whatever mm-hmm. so you know kudos to you exactly. and I, I'm gonna be happy because exactly. that means. Folks know it's possible. I, I always have to think about, um, and I don't know what coach it was, but whoever it was that would doubt that black men were capable of being quarterbacks. And it's a whole bunch of black ass men that are quarterbacks now for pro teams and colleges. Mm-hmm. So we celebrate that. And I want to do the same thing for black and brown folks who are in the photography industry because it's not easy. no. You know, just like I was was saying earlier, we are first generation, almost everything. And the fact that we can say that we've seen the first of, you know, black people or black, I'm sorry, black photographers shooting for covers of magazines like Dana Scrub, Mm -hmm. shooting for um, Rolling Stone, first black woman. Uh, It's it's just a lot of firsts of Mm -hmm. everything in this context. So, yeah, you know, we got to give our own folks big ups because if we don't, exactly. who will? Exactly, exactly. And we got to do it without, you know, we got to celebrate ourselves without apology, without permission, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Because what was the book that just came out with um, Black Vanguard? Um, I think that, Yeah, I think that's the name of it. Um, you know, just this really rich and deep Martinesque uh, photography that are all, you know, black photographers. So mm-hmm. it's it's also that thing of seeing books now with nothing but black photographers. Yes. So we are living in a time that all of us never thought that we'd see. We're just like, we, we're just out here just hustling, but now we're seeing the fruits of our labor. And that's what I love about this so much. If I don't get another job in another day, I'm fine because I feel like I've made, my purpose has, hasn't been fully met, but I'm doing something that I never thought that I would be able to do. So I'm I'm just grateful for that. Yeah, your your name will pop up in the Google in the Google search. Yes. Like a young kid is like looking up black photographers, black female photographers. Your name is gonna pop up, your work yeah. is gonna pop up, my name will pop up. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of colleagues whose names are gonna pop up. And that mm-hmm. wasn't the case for a very, very long time. And now we are starting to create this archive of beautiful work that young people that look like us can actually find us. Indeed. Just think, you know, just four or five years ago, this wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. This was not a thing. And now just in that short period of time, like you said, there's an archive, there is, there's a search, there are 
videos about us. There are news stories about us. And we are making waves to where, you know, our minds are so exceptional, exceptional in the way that we create the things that we see, the way that we move, the way that we, you know, create behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think there's any other culture that would be as smooth, as direct, and as, like, just comfortable with each other as we are. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're griots. We're, we're natural-born storytellers. and well, of and, course. You know, um, whether it's through music or through words or through cameras, you know, or art, you know, mm-hmm. we we will tell our story in only the way that we know how to do it. And Indeed. it's always going to be unique. It's always going to be an interesting perspective. It's not saying it's better or worse than anybody else's. It's different and it's ours. You know, and that's what's really most important. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And, you know, even if people try to take from us, they'll never have the charisma in the in the, the way that we connect so instantly like we do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I saw on your site you did some work with, uh, you did some portraits with uh, former members of the Negro League. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And the, the Gullah Geechee community. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak a little bit about that work. I love work that's focused on on, on black folks and, and just like how this came up as an idea for you to that you wanted to document. You know, speak a little bit about that work for me. Yeah. So um, I to start off my career, um, I did a lot of personal projects um, which have been valuable in um, the type of work that I receive for assignments. Um, so that uh, project that I did with the past members of the um, um, Birmingham Black Barons was, um, I think it was kismet because my neighbor, when I lived in Birmingham, he was a member of the team. So every year they have, um, they celebrate the um, the Negro League, the Birmingham Black Barons at a annual baseball game for the Birmingham Barons. So there was one weekend that, you know, a good bit of them were in town and I asked if I could come take portraits and that's how it all happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a few people that have passed away, unfortunately. Yeah, it was still a you know, great opportunity just to hear the stories. And, you know, some of them brought like some old memorabilia. Some of them had their own personal uh, baseball cards. But, you know, just just being in a room with so much history was like the most amazing part. Some and, of the people um, that you photographed? Some of those members passed away? Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, have passed away. Okay. Um, um, I think Mamie Peanut, she was the first um, first woman to play in the Negro League. One of the first women to play in the Negro League. Wow, you know, I didn't, yeah, even, yeah. I didn't even know women played in the, in the Negro League. I, I didn't either until that day. And I'm like, oh, this, this makes me want to dig even more For into real. it. For mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there were maybe... Two or three. I could be wrong. Wow. I know two for sure. But yeah, there were some women that, that played. Wow, that's um, amazing. I had no idea. Yeah, that look now that gives you some homework to do. Tonight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, that 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 opportunity was just more of a because I knew someone. But as far as the um Gully Geechee work, that was um something that I just found to be interesting and uh at, I saw a video about the culture on um, Facebook and then maybe one or two days later, I got this 
friend request from someone. Her, um, her name, her Facebook name at the time was Gullah Grio. I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. if I'm watching these videos and somebody out of nowhere just asks me, it says Gullah Grio, then I think I need to work on this that project. That is a sign. That is a sign. So, uh, yeah, so she and I have been working together since 2016. I'm still working on the project. Um, and it, ha- it has allowed me to travel to South Georgia, um, to Sapala Island for the past, you know, four years. And I'm going back down there at the end of um, this month, end of February. Oh, nice. And, and you know, just to document it a little bit more, at the time I went down there with the focus of um, just portraits. But as I progressed in my own career and started, you know, taking the advice of editors and things of that nature, I realized that I'm missing like the pieces of the story of the community that I'm actually documenting. So I've been going down there as much as I possibly can between, you know, doing my um, assignments. Since this is a personal project, I have to make time for it. So I'll go down there at least two to three times um, a year. It's going to be much more often now because uh, I feel like I've gotten to a point where I can spend, you know, at least a week or two in that area. And then come back to Atlanta to like do all of my other assignments, but um, it's 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 a fascinating story as to how, um, you know, you have the this group who was brought from Africa to America and they settled on the east coast of the United States. Most of them settling within the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida. But most times when you hear about Gullah Geechee anything is mostly associated with the Carolinas. And so I decided to focus on the story of those that are descendants of Gullah Geechee in the Georgia mm-hmm. um, area. So it, it's been this very nurturing and rich experience because again, we are natural storytellers and we're natural, natural listeners too. So to hear these stories and to be, you know, intertwined and mixed in with this, this, this rich culture, has definitely um, helped me become a better storyteller, better visual storyteller, and honestly a better listener. Because if we don't, you know, document the history of anything that's part of us, it's definitely going to get lost. So, I I look forward to working on this for the remainder, you know, pretty much for the rest of 2020. It's important that I do that, and mm. it's important that I stay connected with them. Are you gonna have a writing component? Um, I'm not sure. I, I finally just just I've settled on documenting Sapelo Island uh-huh. because um, Jean Ash, she did um, I want to say, and I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, but Edisto Edisto Island in South Carolina around the Gullah um, culture, and so I want to focus on Sapelo Island. So. I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of research and, and a lot of soul searching too, mm. to, you know, to make sure that I'm not just, cause you know, you can just go to a place and just shoot, 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 but you don't have a purpose. So I want to make sure that I solidify what my purpose is um, while I'm working on this project. Wow. It sounds, it sounds really interesting. Um, what I like about what you just mentioned was that at first when you started photographing, you wanted to be like that local uh, name and face in Birmingham, right? Mm-hmm. That was your hometown, and you wanted to be known as a photographer there. 
Mm-hmm. And now that you relocated to Atlanta and that's your home, you're still choosing, even though it's not quite Atlanta, but you're still mm-hmm. focused on Georgia. You're still telling stories locally yeah. where, you, where you're at. So basically I, I have, a, I, I get the sense that no matter where you go, you're going to find something that is central to that place. You're going to mm-hmm. find something interesting there and you're going to photograph it and tell that story because that's where you are at the moment. And, you just document home wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's an excellent way to put it. And I think that most people should document home. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to document these um, tribes and these exotic places. And that's nothing wrong with that. But home is just as interesting as another country or another state. So I'm just thinking if you can't find anything interesting at home, I don't know what to tell you when, once you get, you know, outside of home. No, you're you absolutely know? right. You know, um, I I see so many photographers chasing crazy stories on the other side of the world, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, especially when they go after conflict. Like, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> man. That is, I think that is a a, a whole other podcast in itself. Indeed, man. Indeed. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm I do, I'm just fixated on on conflict photography and and, mm-hmm. and really wanting to know what the draw is to 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 go to some place that is just like dangerous and documented and i don't i don't know i mean i know that these things need to be documented and we need mm-hmm. the world needs to see them mm-hmm. i just wonder like how often can we find stories that are local to us that are just as important you know yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, just going back to what I said, if, you know, finding stories at home are just as important as finding stories elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, e- even your physical home, your neighborhood alone has stories. And then you have people that you may have never met, but you feel like, you know, they've been in that neighborhood so long, they've seen things change. That's a story in itself. You know, you may have seen excuse me, you may have seen um, something as simple as a house being remodeled. That has changed. I don't know. I mean, I just think you can make a story out of anything where you are at any time. You don't have to go to, like you said, those conflict areas or another country or wherever else to get what you need. Now, you can leave for inspiration, but at the end of the day, you know, stories are stories. And you just got to learn how to tell them well with what you have at the moment. Absolutely. It's almost like going back to uh, paring down your equipment. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need a whole lot of gear in order Mm-mm. to be a good photographer. And you don't need to travel Mm-mm. thousands of miles away in, a, in order to tell a story. You know, mm-hmm. imagine like if you just pare down all your gear to like one or two lenses and then decided to go walk around your neighborhood but within like five blocks. You just yeah. pare down your gear and pare down like your, your geography mm-hmm. and, and then look at what you can find. You you discover so many stories just that that's been like underneath your nose for all this time that you just weren't paying attention to. Yeah, because what was the name of that that um it was a seminar workshop that you did? Was it Missouri? It was in Missouri or something Missouri, like that. Missouri, Missouri photo yeah. workshop, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because isn't that something you had to do? You had to find a story within a short amount of time oh, where Lord. you all were? Yeah, I mean, I, I basically flew into Missouri. I, I was 
my workshop was based in Mountain Grove, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And basically flew into this town, didn't know nothing about it, had to go out and find a story and come back Mm -hmm. and pitch it to my team leaders. And they would either say yay or nay, but they would always grill me and ask me questions. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have certain answers about the person, then they would say, go back out, get those answers. I would come back. They would ask me more questions. They say, go back out, get those, <laughs> get those answers until mm-hmm. they were satisfied that I had done enough research and asked the proper questions to make sure I got access and, you know, that the story was interesting enough and that mm-hmm. this person would be cool with me riding around with them for seven days and right. going into their house and meeting their family and things like that. And that, that challenge was like so amazing because one, I had to, you know, use my gift to gab. And if yeah. I didn't have gift to gab, I had to develop it. Yeah. But I had to look at a story from multiple angles, mm-hmm. you know, so now um, and then I had to pitch it. I had to I had to tell, you know, you know, um, convince my team leaders why I think the story is interesting and why they should let me go out and photograph it. Fast forward. Now, when I pitch stories or when I come up with ideas, there's a lot of things that I already think about before even putting pen to paper. But one right. thing that I always do is put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. And I make sure mm-hmm. that I can explain it, I can write about it, I can verbalize it to myself first. I di- I dissect it and, and tear it apart as much as I can before even letting one person see the work in progress. Yeah, yeah, you know? and I think I think that those are valuable skills, um, and I think that that can relate to any genre of photography because there is a story behind what you're shooting. So if you don't know the purpose of it, then, you know, how do you correlate that into what the ad needs to be like, you know, the advertisement needs to be like, or what the editorial, what the byline needs to be like. So, you know, paying attention and being aware of what you're shooting and what you're documenting, you know, all that stuff matters no matter what you're doing. Absolutely. And I I think that's the gift of photography is learning how to be observant, learning how to Peep your surroundings. I, whenever I speak to young people and it, and I'm teaching them about photography and they want to mm-hmm. bring all these fancy cameras, I'm like, leave your cameras <laughs> in your bag and take out your phone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, start with the basics of composition. But what I, but even before they take out their phone, I'm like, you, we all need to learn how to take pictures without a camera. Like, yeah. use your eye and start paying attention to little vignettes of scenes that are happening around you, whether you're going to, on your way to school or on your way to work or you're just hanging out with your family, there's mm-hmm. pictures happening in front of your face. Start taking these p- mental pictures with your eyes first mm-hmm. and learn how to see the world that way. Learn how to basically carve out small little moments that are happening in your life every day. Indeed. And then when you, when you pick that camera up, you're going to start snapping the shutter at those at those precise moments you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also you know take the time to listen don't mm-hmm. be so fast to talk because half the time you miss when you miss those important things that people are saying because you're talking too much absolutely so I, you know you talk afterwards but a lot is being said even without words mm-hmm. non-verbal non-verbal communication is extremely important um, knowing when someone's comfortable with you. Everybody's not going to be comfortable with you just being around, even before you take out the camera. You know, just just being mindful of 
the person and how they feel with you. So, I mean, it's, it's, you learn these things over time, but it's still something that you teach the folks that, you know, want to do what we're doing long-term. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So listen, Lindsay, this was a great conversation. I'm, I'm glad we finally, finally, finally got to chop it up. Yes, and I feel indeed. Like, you know, um, we could keep talking for like another hour, you know, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for uh, a round two. Cool. Right. That'll work. But uh, do me a favor and, and tell folks, um, you know, where they can find you and what they can expect from you, uh, you know, this year. Yeah. So you can find me um, online. My website is Lindsay, L-Y-N-S-E-Y, Weatherspoon, W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S-P-O-O-N.com. Um, my Instagram and Twitter handles are both the same. So that's L in Weatherspoon. And, you know, if you search L in Weatherspoon on most things, that's where you'll find me. Um, what I'll be doing this year is doing more of what I did last year, was, which was, you know, a lot of um, assignments for editorial and commercial clients. And as I said, I'll still be working on my Gullah Geechee project for the remainder of the year as well. So. Which I cannot wait to see and, yeah. and hopefully <laughs> read, read about or hopefully get some, like, audio bites or something, right? Like, I Yeah, and I, I've yeah. been shooting video for it as well. So it's it's... Huh, it's it's a lot, and uh, that's a it's round a lot. Two. That's a round yeah, two. Yeah, it is I definitely a round two. I definitely want to get into the video <laughs> talk with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely for sure. For sure. But right. thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so no much. No problem. No problem. And everything and uh, all Lindsay's uh, contact information will be provided in the show notes. So on that note, Lindsay, have a good night. Keep the hustle going. I right, appreciate same. you. All right. Same to you. All right. Peace. All right, y'all. That's a wrap. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned in to this episode. Thank you for listening. The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and sign up. When you get there, show us some love by rating us or leaving a review. It will help with our rankings, which essentially helps black photographers get more exposure. Make sure to check us out online at blackshutterpodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.